Welcome to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, an award-winning show dedicated to helping contractors generate more revenue, employ more people, and serve more customers. Powered by Rival Digital. Tune in each week to learn how other business owners and industry professionals across the country are staying ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. So, are you ready to dominate your marketing, get a grip on your operations, and build the business you've always dreamed of? Join your host, Eric Thomas, and get a fresh perspective on what it takes to create a world-class contracting business. The best idea wins. Now, here's Eric Thomas. What is going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, where we believe that the best idea wins. And we are here in Jacksonville, Florida, sitting in this um, kind of makeshift podcast setup to bring you lots of good ideas. So back on the show for the third time. Third time. Lucky number three. And first time in person on the show yeah. is Matt Tyner. Hey, everyone. Hey, Matt. What's up? Not a lot. I see uh, they've got the easels out here. They're switching the signs, so I'm guessing that there's going to be a change in breakout here in a little while, which means we might get some background noise, which would be exciting. That'll be exciting. Very exciting. So if you're listening to this, well, then it has already happened, but Matt and I are actually doing a breakout here about making data-driven decisions for your business um, in regards to your marketing because I know nothing about operations. I know Matt knows probably more about operations than I do. I know nothing about operations, so I can't speak about data-driven decisions for operations, but I can certainly try to talk about data-driven decisions for marketing. Um, and you know, if, if you're listening to this and you haven't heard uh, Matt's background or any of that other stuff, I'm just gonna encourage you to go listen to that now. We can, uh, don't wanna take up too much of our time here going over backgrounds again because i think you've done it twice now yeah so anyways you copy and paste from the other other podcast maybe. yeah yeah, yeah just do like a little uh good give me in covid when i couldn't get a haircut yeah that was good yeah we'll just we'll just cut to the to the other episode um but yeah matt's a smart dude and um he knows he knows way more than me so i'm really excited to <laughs> hear his thoughts on data or data is that what you call it we were debating that i'm, I'm more of a data guy yeah i'm, I'm data yeah. as well i could be the Midwest in me, but I yeah. think it's data. Yeah, I know. I'm not. I'm not a huge. I'm not a huge data person. I know that's been the debate even around uh, at Rival Digital lately. Is if it's data or data? No one really knows. Sounds like you need some new team members. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely data. So if you're listening to this, we're talking about data here. Um, first thing I wanted to hit on was actually just before lunch here, Matt was doing a panel and they were talking about KPIs and making data-driven decisions and you had mentioned someone had asked the question of like, you know, what, what are the, what are like the, the top level KPIs that are the right. most important for your business? And you had said, you know, you really need to kind of reverse engineer it and come back to like, what are your goals, um, you know, from the top down so right. that you can establish those. So let's, let's dig into that a little bit more. Cause I don't think we did talk about that a whole lot in there. Yeah. So I think what, what bothers me a lot is everyone's like, these are the KPIs you need to manage. Right. And everyone's business is going to be different. Yeah. And, and I think we need to realize that as marketers is, is the data from one business to another is going to be different. The market's different. The demographics are different. Ge the geographics are going to be different. And I think we just got, we've got to realize that. And, and for me, from my perspective, 
data is used to look month over month, year over year to see what your improvements are. It's not, oh, hey, here's how I'm stacking up to a person in Virginia Beach, right? Yeah. I'm not I'm not going to compare the data that that you have for someone in Virginia Beach with the companies that I happen to manage. And yeah. and I think that's a big, big thing that we all need to be aware of and just be cognizant of is is the reason we track data is to see improvement. So you need to constantly be seeing improvement month over month with your with your digital marketing specifically. Uh, and, and that really be the driving force of, of, of what you're doing to drive better decisions. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about month over month versus year over yeah. year, because I know that, um, you know, both are important, yep. um, but both tell you something different. So where do you, where do you kind of, I know you look at both, you measure both. How do you guys use month over month versus year over year in your decision-making? Yeah. So month over month, I like to look for more of your, your quick changes. Okay. Hey, we did this and we got this right. I like, I like looking at it from that perspective, but the year over year tends to move out, remove the, variability of or the variable of seasonality and that's the nice part of, of looking at it both ways I'm, I'm a big believer you you have to look at it both ways because it's very you're going to make very different decisions and the data reads differently both both directions because when you look at month over month you go from a swing um swing from you know, spring being one of our traditionally slower times into summer that month difference you could make a ton of a ton of different decisions and potentially bad decisions yeah. when it comes to marketing. And I, I think that's really what people just need to realize is looking at it both ways and then, and then judging it accordingly. It's kind of like direct mail, right? Uh, we all want to, we all want to see direct attribution, right? Mm -hmm. And so we, we will constantly say, okay, here's how, here's how much money was driven off of this direct mail campaign. But it's smart also to look at matchback because matchback is going to then show you, Okay, what may have been the relative influence within this area uh, for this for this specific campaign? And some of that, yes, it may have come through other channels, but you need to realize both of those and make that make a decision with both data sets in mind. And you know, a lot of times it comes to look at the look at it, and then you make a gut decision off of that. Of okay, yeah, we may have not seen the the attributable revenue be just absolutely phenomenal, but our matchback was was really strong, so we know it had an impact from a top of mind awareness perspective in, in a specific area. It's just like that, but but on digital, it, it's just looking at your different time frames. It's, it's all about looking at the data and understanding what that data means. Yeah, yeah. For yeah, for me, I I love yeah I, I like month over month because from an agency perspective, we're doing things every single month. Yep. We've got tasks every month to do, and so we like to see. All right, in January we published these articles. We did this, that, and the other, and then in February, your result was these rankings improved. You right, whatever. But it's also, it's critical to look at it and be like, all right, we're really slow right now. What did we look like the same time frame last year as, Absolutely. as kind of a way to, to measure just general trends in the seasonality yep. because we are in a seasonal business. And so if we, look at, if we look at phone calls month over month, yep. well, naturally, you know, from... If you look at March, we're going to say, hmm, we got more phone calls this month. And then you go to April, you're going to say, hmm, we got more phone calls this month. May, more, June, more, July, August. And then you're going to start tapering off and be like, oh, no, our phone calls are down month over Sky month. Sky is falling. Sky is falling right. because just the way the you know mother nature and, and the weather works. Right. Um, so that's where I think year over year plays a critical component, both in-house and for your, your outsourced stuff is Absolutely. seeing 
all right, our calls are up month over month, but what are they month to date, year over year? Right. And you might look at it and say, we're actually down 11% in phone calls from the same time frame last year. And then you can start to say, maybe wonder why you can start looking maybe at the weather. If you're a, a weather, a weatherman like myself, I'm just kidding. I'm not a weatherman. Um, but you can, you can we kinda, hire people for that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I feel like if you were a weatherman though, like you could weather, weather meteorologists, they really can get away with a lot. That's unrelated. I like marketing agencies. <laughs> <laughs> maybe you are a weatherman. we gotta cut that out <laughs> no that that's so true and so yeah that's that's a really good one and then you had also mentioned in there one of one of your kpis now remember listeners what matt just said what you know what's important for them to track might not be important for you to track but Absolutely. you had, you had mentioned one of your kpis and i wish i had my notebook um but you had said it was something about like um ha- making sure you had the right amount of employees for oh yeah uh, yeah abandon rate yeah yeah and then I, I talked to someone afterwards about this like i feel a, a we've probably had this conversation before like marketers we like to overcomplicate pretty much everything i think a lot of humans just naturally like to overcomplicate things and not make it just incredibly simple and and when i'm looking at the data and and when i started having influence over the call center and the the dispatch team uh, here at max service group it really um you know one of the first things i i, I need to know where we're at and so abandon rate was one of the first things because that that is that is something that just just rocks me to my core right because we're as marketers driving leads we need to make sure we're answering the phones to be yeah. able to do that and and so it was really getting back to the basics of okay let's let's as if we were starting over as a company let's let's start looking in the simplest forms let's look at abandon rate let's see okay hey we're seeing this much of a drop off let's hire some additional employees and yeah, we had to we had to staff up, but we eventually drove it down to to sub one percent, and that was that was big for the business. And and you're going to have things that happen within the business, right? You know, COVID. We came from back from work from home. We lost some people. Um, you see some people transition away from the business. You know, good for them. Um, but you, you, keeping a track on some of these KPIs on a daily, weekly, monthly basis it will will allow you to see when you need to make those decisions within the business and make them more quickly uh, because hate last thing you want to do is you get, you get um, into your busy season and you were already understaffed. That's a pretty shitty spot to be in. Yeah. And that's like, I know that another thing that you and I have been talking about a lot just over the past 12 hours of being here is the truly, truly. Yeah. Truly's (laughs) uh, now in your favorite lemonade flavors, (laughs) mango lemonade, pineapple lemonade, um, but outside of Truly's, uh, the, the Facebook group thing, and um, I lost my train of thought on this one. Um, what were we just talking about? Truly's got me, got me excited. <laughs> I threw you off. I started threw you off. Facebook groups, data, Facebook information, groups, data, information. Um, yeah, totally lost my train of thought there. Uh, so yeah, we were talking about abandonment rate and staffing up. Okay, busy season. Facebook groups right now. We're seeing a lot of people saying in there they need leads. Absolutely. And don't we all? Don't we all? And it, it's almost surprising to me that February comes and goes every year, and we get surprised when February shows up. It's and, here. <laughs> oh no! It's going to be here again in twelve months. My, Just giving you a heads up. Eleven. <laughs> well, it's like my business is is going under. We're done for. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much longer I can keep the lights on for. It's slow. 
we know that's happening. And and someone had made a comment in a post recently. I, I was reading the other day about like you're complaining in February about needing leads, just like we do every year. Three months from now, you're going to be complaining about needing technicians, like we do every single year. Yeah. When it gets busy, you're going to be saying, "Oh, I need technicians." Right now, you're saying, "I need leads." Um, this is the kind of data that you should be writing wow. down. Like, if if I were a smart operator, which I know nothing about operations from a home services perspective, but if it were me, I would make like a spreadsheet mm-hmm. and just be like, all right, January, February, March, April, May, all the way through the year, and just write down what yep. just top three to five worst things that happened, needed calls, needed technicians, right. people quit, to lay off some folks because we weren't busy right. and then keep that in mind. That's the kind of data that, in my opinion, you need to be but, remembering. Right. And, and all of that needs to be factored in your budgeting and your planning season. Right. Those are those are key data points that are that are going to be needed as you as you build up that plan for the next year. And I think it's just something you've got to be cognizant of. You do have to document it and, and make sure that you're aware of it going to next year because you want to you want to fix the cycle. Right. You want to break yeah. the cycle. And so if you keep going into it with the same ideas every year and you don't take in some of the realities, so maybe you're not adjusting for your margins to be lower in a busy season or in a slow season when you're trying to be more aggressive to capture the revenue so that that doesn't hurt you downstream Um, or just looking at general lead volume in, in totality and a big wake up call for a lot of people on the marketing side is your marketing costs are going to be higher as a percentage of revenue in your slower months. Because mm-hmm. you, you know, from our perspective, we have an internal marketing team. That fixed cost isn't going to go anywhere, right? Because yeah. I need those people. They're really good at what they do. They're phenomenal team members. They're, they're absolutely doing everything and putting everything into place right now for that when that intent hits, dominate. Yeah. Right. Um, so you have those fixed costs. And, and, and across marketing, you have a lot of fixed costs. And as you grow, you're going to have more fixed costs, specifically as you work on top of mind awareness. And so it's not always going to be a perfect balance. And I think that's something that we've got to consider. We've got to continually consider as we, as we put that plan into place um, so that you're, you're creating an accurate plan so that you, you're not as stressed when it comes January, February, March, because guess what? Next year it's going to happen again. Yeah. Every year. Yeah. No, Absolutely. Yeah, so you mentioned intent, and yep. that's something that I, I love talking about is is intent, uh, like intent-based marketing, yep. which is your AC repair near me, Google yep. searches. And this is actually something I'm going to be talking about tomorrow. If you're listening to this, I'm talking about it yesterday. Um, <laughs> I hate trying to future-proof episodes like this. This is something that I shared at Service Titans Toolbox Live in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, is as long as you don't forget for tomorrow. Yeah. I hope I don't forget. Yeah. Truly. Um, (laughs) there is understanding wants versus needs and the way that people search and find your business online based on those two things. Absolutely. So like if someone wants a new vehicle, they're Mm -hmm. going to conduct their search differently than someone who needs to get their car fixed because it's broken down on the side of the road. You know, so if you're if you if your car breaks down on the side of the road, you need a tow truck or you need a repair. Right. If you go on and say towing company near me, that's an intent search, and you see an ad for Hyundai's phenomenal February fifteen percent off deal, you're gonna be like, oh, you're gonna get frustrated. That's not what I need right now. I need a tow truck. Right. Um, and so when we think about intent, 
what, what what's the first thing that just comes to mind when when you hear the word intent weather weather i mean weather drives the intent and, and i i think this is very valid because everything you have to realize where the consumer is in their purchasing decision right in that in that in that client journey um because that that is that's in, that's critical because your messaging is going to be different right so during slow seasons you're going to see a lot of what we do is brand building. It's trust building. That's, that's, that's core to who we are as a company. So you're, you're not going to see one of our billboards on, on the road f featuring an offer. It's, it's our logo with our character, Max waving. Well, he only has four fingers. So I guess like that <laughs> waving um, on, to, to people as they're driving by, we're trying to create, we're trying to create trust. We're trying to create brand top of mind awareness from that. And, and that's really a lot of what the, what those efforts include. And I think we, when it gets, when it gets hot out, that's where, that's where you get aggressive. You're getting yeah. as much of the intent as possible because that's, that's when they're, that's when they're in their mindset yeah. to make a purchase as quickly as possible. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And so like, I, I, I constantly hear this um, from listeners, from clients, from our team is I need service calls. Well, you know, like you just mentioned, you know, the weather is going to drive that intent. I, you can't really generate a service call. I can't make someone's air conditioner break. Right. You can't make someone's air conditioner break or furnace break. Um, Screwdriver. Yeah, you could just take a sawzall up into the attic for your inspection. Right. And next thing you know, you got a cracked heat exchanger. Yeah, I, I would not recommend that. Don't do that. Um, that's, that's that a was good, a joke. That's a good way to destroy your entire reputation. <laughs> that was Listeners, that was a joke. Um, I hope it was a funny joke. I hope you laughed. Uh, was quickly and promptly changed the subject. No, um, no, but I, no, I love that. Like right now, we're you, you got you have to be building top of mind awareness in the slow yes. slower months. Always. I mean, if you're listening to this, it, it it's not too late, but maybe you know take it in consideration for next you know, slow season. Um, well, and that's also where where maintenance maintenance is absolutely critical, right? Mm -hmm. Getting in as many homes as possible to be able to a get ahead of any pot potential repairs that are going to come in, because like. It's like a surprise. We're busy again, just like it gets slow every year. It's going to get busy every year. So what do we do in our slow periods to be able to make sure that we're able to maximize as much as the of the service demand work as possible? So if we do proper maintenance and we we go through and we're getting all the proper readings and we realize, oh, hey, you know, a, a capacitor is weak or, or this or that. That's a low revenue call. We could be getting out of future months and pulling forward into months that we need the revenue. And and be able to then remove that from the future months, so you can you can you can run a no cool that's not related to a yeah. capacitor. Yeah. Not to mention capacitors are your number one negative review. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. I I searched it on Amazon. That thing was only twelve dollars. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Every year. <laughs> exactly. And, well, and, and and to to kind of build off of that, if you're not building that brand, if you're not building that trust in the company absolutely then you're going to get those negative reviews because yes. you're just going to be seen as a cost to the homeowner yeah, you're a commodity yeah, you're, yeah exactly you're a commodity so when you have no value built up around your brand around the story around the, the actual you know what you do for that homeowner and it's just switching a capacitor well, yeah. then they're going to search well you, you charged me 650 dollars for this and on amazon it was 12 dollars. You, you guys are a ripoff your the products that you offer are commodity the service level that you offer is not yeah Absolutely. And so I, I love, I love me some off season branding because yeah. if you knock that out of the park, sure. 
it's going to be tough. It's going to be slow. But if you knock that out of the park, you are setting yourself up for monumental success in the busy season. And you'll see your cost per leads go way down too, because absolutely, because no longer are you needing to be found when someone searches AC repair near me Instead, they're going to go search Williams comfort air. Right. And now you're now Google's the toll booth for, for max. Right. I want my branded search to be as high as possible. Yeah. Because those, those clicks cost me fraction. Yeah. A fraction of a dollar, what it costs to, to be able to get the, a yeah. non-branded intent-based search. Yeah, it, exactly. And like, even if you're running a brand protection campaign, you could be running that at $33 a day versus mm-hmm. your AC repair campaign that's going to be at two, three, four hundred $400 a day uh, or more. And you're going to see a higher conversion rate, a lower cost per lead from that branded search because they already know we want Williams Comfort Air. You've or done Max. the hard part. Yeah. You've already you've already won the customer. You've built the trust. You yeah. built the trust b- before they even call. And you know maybe maybe trust is a long shot, but you you've at least built brand familiarity, which I think does have a tangible or an intangible impact, you know, psych- psychologically, right? Yeah. And they they realize who you are. They know your trusted source. They know you know you have you have all of this you know advertising across all these space. So you have to be a legitimate company, so on and so forth. I think there's a lot, a lot to that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. So, what are some, what are some KPIs from a marketing standpoint that, mm-hmm. you know, regardless of where you're at in the country, yep. the East Coast, West Coast, North South, Canada, wherever you're listening to this, what are some KPIs that you think are critical for marketing? Yeah, I, to me, the most important ones that I that I look at. Specifically, a return on ad spend and return on marketing spend. Yeah, they, they're very, they're, I don't want to say lagging indicators, but but they are from a marketing perspective, right? It's after revenue is captured. So that lead's been in the funnel for for a day or, or a week or whatever. But that return on ad spend, return on marketing spend is just absolutely critical because, you know, when you look at the return on ad spend, and I say, I feel like I give the same spiel on every podcast I'm ever a part of. Um, you know, that return on ad spend is such a critical data point because it's removing the agency. So you're knowing the health of that channel. And when yeah. you bring in the return on marketing spend, you're bringing in that agency costs or internal costs. Like, like my team is in the marketing budget. I'm in the marketing budget at, at Max yeah. Service Group. We are, we are a cost there because I need to understand how we perform relatively return on ad spend to having an agency, right? Yeah. You know, it's always making sure we're being competitive and we're, we're pushing against ourselves and, and, and judging against ourselves. Um, but, but those two specific metrics are just absolutely critical because they just allow, they allow you to know how you're performing as a team, but also how the channel is performing in and of itself. Yeah. And you just gotta, you gotta be aware of that. And yeah, then, you know, the, the, folks on my team then they're looking at okay what's what's our what's our cpls what's everything looking like from a conversion rate perspective all that fun stuff uh, but but as the, from a marketing leadership perspective it's really return on ad spend and return on marketing spend for me yeah I, those are the two that i really focus and absolutely obsess about yeah so for those who may not right off the top of their head know how to calculate that way it just got dead silent in this hallway dead music's even gone yeah Maybe this is the time where we should yell fire. I here we go. I've I've been making terribly dark jokes on this podcast episode, and I I'm, I apologize to our listeners. It's the first time I've been live, so yeah, I'll take some of that responsibility. Um, so for those who may not, you know, right off the top of their head, know how to calculate that stuff. What what's the 
the equation for yeah. calculating return on ad spend and ROMs. Return on ad spend, it's very simple. You're marketing attributable revenue divided by um, the advertising costs. So that would be what you, let's use PP as example. Revenue driven by PPC divided by your, your ad costs on PPC. Not agency fees, not percentage of ad spend, but your true ad costs. Then your, mar your return on marketing spend is just your, your marketing attributable revenue divided by your ad cost and agency fees. Okay. This brings up a very important topic. Um, I was recently speaking with a contractor out West and they had been with their current agency for about six years, which is impressive because we see a lot of people playing leapfrog, you know, hopping from one agency to another. Yeah, that's not healthy either. Um, they were with them for six years and I was like, that's wow, good. That's, that's a huge green flag for me right. talking to a contractor. I'm like, they, they understand the terms of the engagement. Yeah. They, they the length needed. They, yeah. Yep. And so, but she, they had found out that, you know, later in the relationship that the agency was actually holding a percentage of something to manage their ad spend, which I know I've talked about this before on the, on the podcast, for those who don't know, advertising agencies make their money through a management service or management fee. It's just, it's, it's not, I mean, to me, it's not rocket science, but I know it's that, not uncommon. It's not uncommon, but it's I'm not, still a fan of a retainer versus a percent yeah, of spend. But. Yeah. Yeah. Flat rate. If you're, if you're wondering the different types of pricing models, there's an ebook, uh, scroll down and download it. Um, but she, she didn't know that there was a, an ad fee. And so I think what's important here when we're looking at return on ad spend and return on marketing spend is that you're aware of what you're paying your Absolutely. agency for the retainer or whatever it is. Yep. So don't get me wrong. I run an agency, so I fully think that it, you should, you know, your agency should be charging you for what their services are. You have to cover your costs. I mean, yeah. that, that's that's point of business and that's the service you provide. Yeah. Um, but I think where agencies get a bad rap and rightfully so is when they don't disclose what that fee is and they're just totally they're saying oh yeah we're spending ten thousand on ppc this month oh but we're keeping three thousand of it for ourselves so you're actually spending seven thousand and so in the contractor's mind they think oh, i'm spending ten thousand on ppc but you're not and so but if, if you know if you're being charged 30 percent, go renegotiate please <laughs> yeah um do not pay 30 percent. yeah that's it's a lot um, I, yeah. So, I mean, it, from my perspective though, like, and back to my kind of retainer type argument is, is yes, there is more work that may have to be done as I grow the company and grow the spend on PPC. Mm -hmm. However, that it does not mean that it grows in parallel. Yeah. So I'm fine if, if, okay, Hey, the retainer, Hey Matt, you know, we've gone three years without changing the retainer. We're doing this much different work equates to this much hours this week. We need to increase the retainers to this, to this completely cool with that because then it's based on the work being performed. Yeah. But just saying, Hey, you've increased your budget. So we're going to keep, everything is going to grow proportionately with that. Mm, I don't know. Something about that doesn't necessarily feel right to me. Yeah. I'm sorry if you're on a percent of ad spend. We're not. Charging. We used to be, be weird. We used to be, but we're not anymore. I, it was, yeah, like like you had mentioned, it was um, it was it was unpredictable, and also it, like you'd mentioned, you know, your you budget would go up two thousand dollars. Not a whole lot of extra work was done, but you would, you know, the, the, the well, contractor would would charge more, or get charged more. Well, an inverse, right? Is like we can go into a season like we are right now. I mean, we've we've increased our cost per lead 
budget substantially yet we still have in some areas in which we cover we're not we're not spending through that budget that doesn't mean you're doing less work for me either yeah you're still doing the same amount you would still be doing the same amount of work it's just and we don't use rival just as a caveat caveat there everything's internal so not plugging rival in any way but that's his company um (laughs) but when you're when you're looking at it it's just yeah, I, I want to pay for the, the work that you're completing. Yeah. That's at the end of the day. Yeah, that's what we do for our clients. It's what agencies should want to do for their clients. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. I, I'm a big fan when we switch to like a flat rate, just retainer. It's, I love it. Going. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think having, you know, KPIs for your team based on your business goals and what you've planned and budgeted for. Is important not what you saw on facebook not what you saw you know on whatever but based on your yeah. business goals and your, and your planning yeah because i okay to the facebook thing there's a lot of good information being shared on some of these facebook groups which is awesome right operational efficiencies you know things that you know sales sales follow-up scripting whatever there's a lot of good information being shared but i think you always need to be viewing all the information from anyone being shared uh, you need to be viewing it through the lens of your company, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what the important part is because you know just like in there, when they ask what KPIs were important, I'm like I'm not going to tell. I, personally, the first thing that comes to mind, I'm not telling them what KPIs are important because I don't know where they are in their journey as a company, right? Yeah. Where are they revenue wise? Where are they operationally? Um, what are some of the gaps? What are some of the strengths? That that all comes through your business planning and those your KPIs come through the business planning because those are the things you've identified that you want to make strategic improvements on this year. Same same with marketing and, and any of the advice on on a lot of the Facebook groups. It's yeah. it's it's you have to view it through the lens of your company and where you're currently at today and understand that certain metrics or things that work in one area may not work, may not translate exactly into another area. Yeah. Um, but that's where you constantly be trying new things and just keep testing. Yeah. That's where um, I, I think that that's probably the best advice. Like you could have given them when they asked that because Matt, what max service group has what 580 employees. Yeah. Give or take around there. So you have 580. I imagine the operational sophistic- sophistication of something like that is far different than a 10-person t- company. And it should be. And it, it should be. It's just a different beast. I mean, the goal is still, though, you want to you have a nice bottom line. Absolutely. And that's going to look different. You know, improving your bottom mm-hmm. line for 580 employees is going to be different than improving the bottom line of a, a $2.5 million shop that has Absolutely. 10 people. Um, and that's okay. Yeah. And that's okay. We just got to realize where we're all at. Yeah individually and that's that's probably the toughest thing when i have uh, you know contractors reach out to me asking questions you know for me i, I immediately want to instinctively respond with what i'm what i'm seeing today well it doesn't matter what i'm seeing it's what they're experiencing today and and making sure to formulate my responses based on on where their business is so a lot of people if they reach out to me it usually come i usually come back with a string of questions yeah of, okay what what revenue size are you where are you located what problems are you seeing what problems are you trying to solve and then we can have a little bit more of an intelligent marketing conversation around that yeah because i just i don't want to give you all bad advice yeah these are freaking amazing human beings that are that are trying to provide for their teams and their families that's important that's that's yeah that's really important to me. Yeah. Yep. That, that's uh, that's good stuff. So 
in our breakout, we were talking about the marketing funnel, yeah, um, which I, I love. And so the, the way I broke out the marketing funnel, there's if, if you went and Google searched the marketing funnel, he literally copied the first result. <laughs> yeah, I, I just I found a result, I copied it. Um, but there's there's a lot of different results for it because there's different you know different types. So I guess you different people have different yep. perspectives on it, but. The one common denominator between all the different results you would see is that there's a top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. Yep. And understanding where your customer's at in each of those three buckets is vital. And in you, it's, 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 it's important to know like where they fit in that funnel so that you make sure you're hitting them with the right message, with the right offer at the yep. right time. Yep. Um, and so I'm, I'm, I'm doing, you know, because we do digital marketing. I love the middle of the funnel. I love intent. I love AC repair near me. Um, versus that's where we make our money. Yeah, and that's that's where you know I think that's where a lot of digital marketing comes into play. Um, but we we can't neglect the top of the funnel because, and that's where a lot of this branding and stuff comes into play. So, like from your perspective, what's uh, what, what's a healthy marketing funnel look like to you? Oh, that one! I I one hundred percent will default back to my answer i gave in there it depends on the size of the company because you know smaller companies in my opinion smaller companies should be doing more um client acquisition and be getting the foundations of their brand set right of, of okay let's make sure we've got a good logo let's make sure we have a truck wrap right let's let's get the foundationals the foundation set then as you grow and scale that's when you start looking at layering in as you grow customer acquisition, because you still need that baseline of, of consumer demand as you're growing that, then you also try to grow your top mind awareness. So you may, you may start with a, a radio jingle and then you, then you start absorbing and working on production costs for TV, for good TV, good TV spots um, in which then you'll, you'll start then laying on more, more TV. And then, you know, you may look at then expanding into billboards and then, you know, then, then direct mail on consumer and top mind awareness. That one's probably earlier in the funnel than, or earlier in the stages than I said. Um, but that it, it really depends on where the business is at, how much they want to spend on marketing, how much revenue they're expecting um, and really setting up a plan, a plan from there. But you do need to have a, a healthy, a good logo, a good wrap, yeah, those are those are freaking billboards that are driving around all day. Yeah, that's that's those are worth their weight in gold. Um, do those, and then work on your customer acquisition tactics, and then layer in you know, a radio jingle. Radio jingles can be really inex inexpensive in the grand scheme of things, but also again, hire a professional. There are a lot yes. of very talented jingle producers. Reach out to me on LinkedIn if you don't have one. Be more than happy to introduce you to the the gentleman that creates ours. Um, yeah. He's phenomenal, um, but that, you know it's it's all creating a plan and a strategy. It's not just creating tactics, right? They all need to be tied in together. You know what you were offering on digital, you need to be offering in in, in maybe your radio ads or something of that nature. But create create something that's meaningful and create some meaningful experiences with the client. Yeah, and community spend on community. Yeah. Yeah, that's um I I think that I think so many people just and, and maybe you know maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it's that maybe it's not that they don't want to do top of the funnel activities. It's maybe it's not that they don't want to do no. this stuff. Maybe they just don't know 
like where that all fits into the mix and where like it works for them. And well, it's all because it's not as sexy, right? It, you get it's literally an adrenaline rush when you look at digital marketing, right? Because you're able to say, "Oh, cool! I spent this on PPC." Two days later, I have a good read on what I what I saw in a revenue perspective, and that's just not, um, you know, it's not as energizing. Of oh, I put a billboard up there without, you know, like, where's your phone number? I put a billboard up there with literally a logo and our and our character Max up there, and and it's it's just making sure you have it in the right places, and just having faith that your marketing plan and strategy work well together. Um, yeah. But I think people there's a lot of there's a lack of confidence in doing something top of mind because you can't yeah. immediately um, recognize or realize that revenue. You can do some correlations on direct traffic uh, from uh, top of what is your branded search doing. Yeah, There are things you can look at and possibly correlate to your top of mind awareness, but this industry has just been fed a lot of bad advice of digital, 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 and everyone over rotated to digital and forgot about some of the traditional marketing that, that is, a, yeah. that is foundational to, to a lot of the companies that have built very strong brands within the industries. Yeah. And that's, this is, um, this is a joke that I, I make sometimes it's that accountants ruin marketing with how much did this make you? How much, yeah. how much did you get on return? Which I, I think it, measuring returns great for your digital stuff because you can actually do that. Um, but you, you think about, you know, the golden age of advertising, which I'm extremely fascinated with the golden age of advertising. Yeah. We're talking like, you know, admin era, admin era. We're talking Coca-Cola. We're talking all that, all that stuff. There was gloves off marketing, gloves off marketing. You don't ever go on Google and type in fizzy bubbly drink with caffeine. No, you just go to 7-Eleven and buy a Coke. Yep. Everyone knows that you buy a Coke if you or a Red Bull. You don't go on there and type in best energy drink near me or best source of energy uh, under $3. You just say, I'm going to go to the gas station and get a Red Bull. Yep. And so that's where I think like if you do that, that, that branding stuff, right. You know, like you said, you're not going to see, Oh, I spent 10,000 in radio ads and it generated a hundred thousand dollars. You may not be able to see that immediately, but you will be, no. you'll, you can see though in your, you know, in, in Google search console or, you know, wherever you're tracking stuff, the branded search increase over time. And especially if you have a radio jingle that has a discernible, like branded tagline, that's and phone number and phone number. Um, like I, I like to think about Miller's a lot. One of our clients in Virginia beach, uh, their all their radio jingles in Ryan shoot from the wizard of ads was on the podcast once. And we, we talked about this a little more, all their radio ads end with um, it's, it's their, their website, but it's like, uh, Miller's home comfort.com. People search that. That's not, their, their company's not called Miller's Home Comfort. It's Miller's Heating and Air Conditioning, but people search Miller's Home Comfort because that's what you hear on the radio. And so you can see that. And it's, it's maybe not a direct correlation, but it's certainly an indicator that the radio is working when you see people searching right. that branded. I think my kids, if there's ever an emergency and they ask them for a contact, they're going to end up giving the Mr. Plumber jingle phone number to them. As, well, this is where my daddy works. Like, I, they won't use my cell phone or anything like 299-9911. I'll probably sing it to them. Who knows? Yeah. I love it. And there's one in uh there's one in Louisville, Kentucky. They were on the podcast once. Um I'll remember it later, but they've got a really cool uh a really cool phone number um on the back of their 
on the back of their truck, which I know is is uh, they talked about on the show. I'll I'll put it in the show notes. I can't think of it off the top of my head. Hope they're not watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Um. So yeah, I, I think uh, you know, top of mind branded stuff is is critical always. Um. So yeah, just just don't forget about that stuff. So, last tip before we dip. That that was catchy. Yeah. That was good. Last tip before we dip, you know, we're, it's about to be, it's about to be March by the time people listen to this episode, February's gone. Hopefully better days are ahead of us for intent based searches and demand calls and stuff like that. Where do we go if the big R word recession gets to a point where it's, it's, it's we, maybe we get to May or June and we see that search is still down, calls are still down and it's like, okay, it wasn't just February. What, what's the, First thing you would do if you were a smart contractor. Starts by getting everyone aligned. So making sure you have all the stakeholders. You know, if you, if you have an agency, getting the agency on the phone and everyone just look, doing a deep dive in the data and really understanding it, um, you're going to have some channels that are working. Spend in those channels. Don't, don't. Don't bail on them. Last last thing I, I would do, granted I'm a marketer, so this kind of fits, is, is cut marketing uh, because that's going to, that's just going to create a lot of downstream negative impact for a company that they won't realize initially. Initially, you'll see the cost savings. Then you get down the road and you're going to, you're going to start seeing the revenue hit for, and, yeah. and the risk that you assumed by, by not, by not still investing in marketing. Um, and then I think there's there's a lot to be said of, of being involved in the community because when when a recession hits, there's a lot of there's a lot of distrust in the in the market, right? There's, yeah. There's people people are looking when they need something, they're looking for people they can trust, and that's why there's been a big focus in the last year um, with the Max Service Group is you know a lot of our marketing you know, we've kind of changed the tagline that we went to with to you know, service you can rely on from a team you can trust. And, and that's, it's very purposeful uh, because those two things are going to be absolutely critical um, when or if or if we're currently and the, the economic downturn that, that a lot of, lot of economists are, are, are predicting. Um, I, there's still going to be demand. Yeah. You got to capture it. You got to capture it. But you've got to be that place people trust because that's the number one thing people will be looking for. And they're not, it's, you know, yeah, they're going to be price conscious, but everyone's going to be trying to have a, a really good price out in market. It's going to come down to trust and really building that, building that within the communities that you serve. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that, you know, and this is one of those things where success leaves secrets. And when you look at, like Al Levy, he's always talking about and sharing this story online in our groups and stuff is like his family, when they were going through, you know, some economic downturn, they doubled their marketing to pick up that market share because people are going to bail on their marketing. And when they do that, right, you're going to have an opportunity to pick up market share. And also like, the, like from a, from a media buy standpoint, if you have a good media buyer that can negotiate rates Oh hell yeah! When when people so, are cutting their marketing and the radio dude. relies on those ad spots, you can negotiate the hell out of those rates. So when the recession hit um, back in '08, I was talking to one of our, our previous one of our owners that um, he yeah, he really kind of head up the mar- marketing at that time, and he said he was buying 
TV spots at a quarter of the rate that they were before. Mm-hmm. And those during the recessions, Williams Comfort Air saw, saw some of the strongest growth they've ever seen. Yeah. Because he, he was able to buy those spots at a quarter of the price, right? Car dealerships were abandoning, were just jumping out left and right of their, their media agreements. And um, so that left, that left a gap and those do need to be filled, but then you've got to view where you're, where the leverage is in those con- contract negotiations and, and you've yeah. got a lot of it. So yeah, make sure you got a good, good media buyer. We're, we're blessed to have one that sh- she's pretty kick ass and, she has a really good, really good pulse on the industry and where where it kind of stands from a media perspective. Yeah. But that's key. Yeah, that's huge. Awesome. Well, Matt, for our listeners that want to get a hold of you, um, what's the best way that they can do that? LinkedIn or give me a call. Um, actually, no, don't call me. Text me. <laughs> Please text me. Don't call me because it's going to go to voicemail. It's generally always full. So don't just don't call. Text. Text will be best. Uh, 765-635-5362. Awesome. Well, thank you again for joining us uh, on the show for the third time. Yeah, always. It's been awesome. I'm a future proof this by saying good job on our breakout yesterday. Yeah, was, we killed it. We from what I understand. Was, yeah, from what I've everyone's what I, just talking about it. It's it, great. We're the talk of this aloft uh, Jacksonville hotel. A loft, as yeah. my driver, oh, it's an Uber it's said. A loft. I think it's a loft, but yeah, here see, we are. if if it's a loft, yeah. if data is data and not data, then I can see why this may be a loft. Here we go. <laughs> we're going downhill. All right, right. we're ending the show. So thanks for listening, everyone. We'll catch you next week. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast, powered by Rival Digital helping business owners and industry professionals across the country stay ahead of the curve in an ever-changing business landscape. We hope you learned something from this week's episode. And don't forget to rate and review this podcast. Thanks again for listening to the Smart HVAC Marketing Podcast.